What's up all you addicts? Welcome to the Addicted Fishing Podcast and we don't say episode numbers anymore so if you want that data you yeah. can just look in the description. <laughs> yeah. Just keep watching. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in again. If you're on YouTube, thank you so much. We're getting our set a little bit more developed so let us know how you guys like it. We are going to keep adding and keep switching things up until we get it perfect exactly how we want it. So let us know. Comment below. Let us know. We Obviously the way we had it last week was not... Was not kosher at all. And jeez, I think I think I think a few of us kind of realized that. Yeah, (laughs) before we even started. Yeah, pretty much right as we sat down. Yeah, everybody. Jeez, Jordan, Jordan, he was lucky. Jordan didn't have to be. For those of you guys that are not watching on YouTube, you don't know what you're talking about, and we're just going to leave it at that. (laughs) No, you need to come over to YouTube and you need to tap that subscribe button because we've been putting videos out almost every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube. You're probably wondering who in the heck is to the right of Cameron. The gentleman that I have sitting to the right of me today, he has actually been guiding since 1978. He's the founder and on the board of directors of the North Coast Salmon and Steelhead Enhancement Fund. And for those of you guys who don't know, they produce the Salmon Rendezvous, which is a big event down in the Tillamook area streams. And yeah, we're just going to forewarn you guys, there will be river names in this. So yeah, I said Tillamook, but it's going to get worse. Uh, He's also a charter member of the Oregon Chapter of CCA and serves actually as their president for the state, recreational fishing representative to the Oregon Hatchery Research Center, the OHRC, Wilson River Broodstock since inception, since 1996. So you've been playing this broodstock game for a while, and he's helped with the implementation of the broodstock programs on the Stucca, the Hoopsalettes, the, I'm missing one. North Fork of the Nahalem. North Fork of the Nahalem. <coughs> Mr. Jack Smith. So why don't you introduce yourself? I already did it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you left me nothing to say. Sorry, bud. I want to yeah. give some credit where it was due. This gentleman's been fighting, like I said, the good fight for 40 years. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about these important programs because I think it's something that could help our fish and fisheries everywhere. Right. We just got done doing one of our live feed sessions here, and, uh, you know, we had the... Uh, well, those are on YouTube now, so you can go watch them. Yeah. So we had the godfather of broodstock programs in, and so uh, we just kind of wanted to do a runabout. For those of you guys that maybe haven't checked it out, we had another, uh, oh, did we do a podcast with Mr.? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did, yeah, with Mr. Dave. Dave Champ on Hatchery Wild. So this is the Hatchery and Wild Coexist Part 2. And for those of you guys that are just tuning in, Hatchery Wild Coexist Program and Campaign is basically to... Let's have him tell us. Hatcher Wild Coexist. Hatcher Wild Coexist is just as kind of a, a group that got together um, based on the fact that hatchery and wildfish can coexist. They have for hundreds of years. And it, it, it just seems like lately the whole narrative has been we got to get rid of hatchery fish to save wildfish. And uh, we wanted to change that narrative. Um, as you guys all have all seen, there's quite a bit of new science that's coming out that, that that kind of depicts hatchery fish as not being as bad as we've been led to believe. So um, without hatchery fish, we'll have no fisheries. Right. This new science alongside a massive decline in our fisheries in two, three years. It seems like everybody's excited about it, so it's a perfect time to, to get the conversation going. And basically how this starts, guys and all the guys and gals out there listening, is, is just educate yourself. That's the first step to all this is myself included, and I think a lot of you anglers that are out there listening that have been a part of Addicted is just get involved in every way, shape, or form that you can with Hatchery and Wild and go on their website, extensively look at the research, look at the papers that they 
have put out and just read. Read the research, start to educate yourself and wait for something bigger because there will be a time when we we try to rally a lot of people together and really fight for what we believe in. Right, Cam? Yeah, I mean, that, that time is now. Like, we're rallying people under this HWNC campaign. You know, there's a website up, www.hatchery-wild. Dang it, I said it wrong. www.hatchery-wild-coexist.com. There's a Facebook page as well. Um, we need Mr. To Don New, you need to please get a new domain name. Yeah, see, I, even I screwed it up, and son of a gun, <laughs> I should know better. <laughs> but we'll work on the domain name. But right now, you guys can go there, and you'll be able to go there forever, because we own that domain name. But anyways, head there, get yourself educated. There's a lot of good information there, and there's also some email subscription lists that you can assign to, um, you know... There's a lot there, and for what's kind of going on this week, and I kind of, I didn't know how I wanted to, you know, put this into context as far as with this podcast, but there's a lot kind of going on out in the interwebs and the social media web with, you know, this introduction of a certain movie by a certain company, and I think we want to just delve right into the nitty gritty. Yeah, there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of falsities out there right now, you know, and the one thing we kind of didn't cover in the live feed is, I'm it's... So shocking, and it just shows the state of affairs in the United States right now of how there could be such a large group of passionate anglers and sportsmen and outdoorsmen that are being told they're wrong, that only want good things. Yet we have this entity coming in from the side telling us that we're trying to kill off what we love, you know, with science backing our side of the case. You know, I think it's something that it's obviously very political. But it's very important as, as sportsmen and as a younger generation coming up behind gentlemen like Jack to really take a stronghold and, and I grab that you, passion by the balls and run with it. And I know? can tell you one thing right out the gate, just based off the interactions that I've seen and the, the things that I've seen this company do, I will not be supporting them, period, whatsoever, Never ever. And I would hope that every sportsman out there would get behind that exact same mission. I, I wrote their name on the bottom of my piss jug in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, so Jack, tell us a little bit. You know, Marlon kind of started into it. What is the goal behind Hatcher Wild Coexist? You, you mentioned changing the narrative, um, but what are we rallying these people for? You know, what's the outlook? What What do we want to happen here, other than changing? Well, the I mean, basically, just become a cohesive force, so that you know, when there's misinformation or when there's updated information. Uh, what we've done so far is we, we, we hire like an independent scientist and say, hey, this, this doesn't, you know, what we're seeing on the river every day, this science doesn't reflect what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Can you look into that? Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, it costs money to do that. Do the same thing as these groups have done to us. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, only we're doing it in a truthful manner because right. if you, you know, if you, if you go and listen to their points, a lot of times they're ridiculously set, you know, Exaggerated. I mean, and a perfect example of that is if you watch the trailer to this movie, it the misrepresentation that they try to like give the very off first thirty seconds. What made me want to smash my phone? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! I'm like, they really are gonna try to do this. And the problem with it is, is you have a lot of people that aren't sportsmen. They're gonna watch that, and they're gonna fall right into it. They're gonna be like, oh my gosh, you know, this is exactly. Well, that's 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 why it's really important that we get our word out exactly because they they. they you know, especially if we do it in a professional manner and, and 
or, or put forward in a good way, they'll listen to us too. And and up to now, they've only been hearing the other side. I mean, we've been pretty silent actually. Yeah. And and uh, that's got to change. And that's where Hatchery and Wild coexist comes in. Everyone out there listening is. Join this movement. Get, let's rally 50, 100, 300,000 people. There's a lot of sportsmen in Washington, Oregon, and this doesn't even just Washington and Oregon. I mean, if you're in Idaho, if you even come to these places to fish, you should be behind this because it's in everyone's best interest to have healthy and abundant fisheries. And not just in the human's best interest, in nature's best interest. Because at the end of the day, that is how it was meant to be, and we have destroyed it. We have destroyed it to a place where it can't go back. And so it's our responsibility as humans to come in and produce hatchery fish in a in a way that it's done right, right, Cam? Because most people out there up to this point, they don't we have been doing it wrong, right? There's been a lot of things that were done wrong up to this point. But the problem is is now these people are pushing and saying that it's still being done wrong when that's not the case. There's a lot of oh, scenarios. Nice. Where it's being done right. That's a very true statement. And uh, I mean, I, I think it, it's short sighted. I mean, I know when when we first started the Bruce Up program on the Wilson, one of the things that I thought was cool was I noticed like when I have customers in my boat, you know, if you if you get a wild fish and they say, yeah, it's a beautiful wild fish, turn it loose. And these are people that don't necessarily fish all the time. And it was like it was gone. They were kind of disappointed and. It it, it, no it it didn't mean it didn't mean anything to them. When you you know we have a live well in our boat, so when we catch a, a wild fish that we want to collect, we collect it, put it in this bootstrap program or the live box, and then I get the rest of the day. I'm talking to these people about what a wonderful creature that was. How having good hatchery programs depends on wild fish. Got to have habitat to have wild fish. Um, you know what you said about it's gone. It's like. There's, there are certain portions of ha habitat that are gone that, that we are irreplaceable. I mean, we won't be able to replace them, but there are places where we should do the best we can. But it's just the, the kind of the realization of people exactly who you're talking about who don't have an idea what wild fish are. They, they got, I mean, they get a, a real good sense of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a, it's a, and you get a chance to tell them we need habitat, we need hatchery fish, or we're not going to fish. You know, this all is a big circle. Yeah. Yeah, one thing it kind of made gave me a sour taste in my mouth from the opposing the opposition's you know statement in their movie was I noticed as they were doing these press releases, one of the first places they were releasing this movie was in Switzerland. Their premiere was in Switzerland. What 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 the hell? Does any of this have to do with people in Switzerland? Oh, so it, it shows you that the they're, they're, grabbing they're grabbing money. They're grabbing money from the most wealthy places in the world to try to control. They're getting investments from people. You know, that kind of goes back to this. What I said earlier. Here's the thing, though. We outlet. can do that exact same we thing. We money. can play we that exact control. same game. We, we just have to do it. Right. We just have to do it. And we're behind because we haven't been. Exactly. And so now it's time. I mean, it's time. Go to Hatchery and Wild. If you guys can't hear the passion in our voices, it's time. It is definitely time. This is the thing that I've sat in like the front of the seminars for like the last three years and said, hey, there's going to be one thing I'm going to ask you guys to do, and it's going to go go to do this. Go to this. You know, it, this was launched at the Sportsman Show, and, you know, we're just, all we're trying to do right now is, is just get this message out. Get it out there to people so when, when Hatchery and Wild shows up in your live feeds, when you hear that in the discussion, 
you know, there's already been some some representation of hatchery wild coexist at the state natural resource board resources yep. board in Oregon. Yeah, like they're we're already starting to fire on cylinders, but this is this is a marathon, and this right now is in its infancy. But even with that said, now's the time to join up. Now's the time to get organized. Now is the time because there is not anything in this hatchery and wild campaign that ninety eight point nine percent of you out there would not agree with. Well, we're fighting for a natural resource here. And that's the beauty. That's why we show so much love towards great people like Jack and these people that have gone out on a huge limb here, everybody, to, to stand up for something that none of us have ever really had the balls to do or had the time or put the effort in. You know, we've all talked about it. Everybody's talked about this at the tackle shop. Everybody's talked about it at the sportsman show. Everybody's talked about it in their garage, drinking a light beer. But we're standing up for our natural resource here and a heritage of fishing that we all do to pass on. You know, it's it's gone beyond just a hatchery fish here. And it's sad because it's so misconstrued because I think, you know, if you really boil it down, and, and maybe maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I think a lot of these wild fish groups, like, they love wild fish. Like, I get it. I love wild fish, too. I would no, love nothing more than to have no hatcheries and want. no wild fish. <laughs> or, excuse me, no wild fish. That's what they want. Uh, but I'm just saying, you know, I would love nothing more than to have, like I said, no hatcheries, wild fish everywhere, have all that habitat back, but, but you just have to get set into reality. And the fact that this company is sitting in their freaking downtown Portland office making $600 million a year, and if they think that they don't have any effect on the environment that's going on that's in decreasing that these wild runs and yet the only thing that they want to do is remove hatchery fish which is in obviously the least that they could freaking do if they're doing anything at all because they can feel good about it right i mean it's so more sure feel, for 60 dollars. they can feel good about it they can make a they can make a film that's trying to piece together aquacultured atlantic salmon in the puget sound to what jack's been doing for 30 years on the Wilson River and you have a productive fishery with healthy wild stocks of salmon and you're going to try to paint that picture where both those things are identical get I'm not going to make you believe what I was just going to say there but you know what I mean <laughs> so like you can feel good about it but you know then you have the guys the sportsmen on this side of it who who are seeing what's going on around them I mean, there's not a sportsman in the Northwest that hasn't lost a productive fishery or, you know, a run of salmon or steel yeah. that they used to fish, and they see it going on all around them, and it's like, there's nothing coming up in their place. There's no benefit to it. It's, yeah. it's the wrong ideal, and on the ground, it doesn't freaking work. Well, that's, right. a, that's the key word right there, is that, you know, this all started out with, we're going to reduce hatchery production, we're going to eliminate hatcheries for some places because we think they're bad for wildfish. They did that. Years and years and years later, no result. Yeah, so, so I mean, you got to be, you be means tested. I mean, if you if you well, want to do something, check back in, see how it works. And if it's not working, do something else. Well, they did check back in, and they yeah. checked back in last December on the Clackamas River <laughs> when they passed that last study that basically said when they removed, when did they remove those fish in in two thousand one? Nineteen? No, I think it was nineteen ninety something. 1991. So what I'm referring to is a study that was just published in the American Fisheries Society in December and basically said exactly what we were just talking about. There was a, a huge, robust hatchery steelhead fishery in the Clackamas River for summer steelhead back in the 90s, and it was in or, or 80s, 80s and 90s. And 90s you know, yeah, I never fished it, but I mean, it was a little bit back in the day now for us younger folk out there. But 
And the other day, it was huge. So like, good, it wasn't story, a matter yeah. of when, yeah. if you were catching your limit. It was a matter of been. when. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, under the guise of this, let's get rid of the hatchery fish, the wild fish will come back, they pulled the program. I mean, they pulled it big time, right? They pulled eliminated. it. Eliminated. Gone. Complete cut the throat. Giant, giant, robust hatchery steelhead program. And unfortunately, after almost 20 years, right? I'm, I, don't wanna, I, don't, <laughs> I think it's close to 25. <laughs> 25 years later, here we sit, and after a two-year peer-reviewed study that was published a couple years ago, and it came out now, they yeah, said yeah. we got nothing. Yeah, the study actually went over more like 40 years. I mean, it was, uh, it was it, the whole time that they were uh, collecting data at North Fork Dam, it went back through all that data. And so they had data... From before they had the hatchery program, while they had the hatchery program, and after they removed it, and and what they found out that the steelhead run tracked because of ocean conditions and because of spill at the dam, those were the the contributing factors to where you know it's up and down movement. But the hatchery fish had nothing to do with it. Didn't matter if you plugged the river full of hatchery fish that you and I would like to catch, or nothing at all. <laughs> right. And now what we got is nothing. Nothing. Except for now, we say we always say we get nothing for it. We always get say when we get nothing, but actually we, we do got get something. Jig fishing no, we, we do get something. We do get something. <laughs> Isn't there something <laughs> all there now though? No, below, below Norfolk. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the whole river is a wild fish sanctuary. Yeah. But that's no, the other thing. I, 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 I always kind of wonder. Only for trout. Oh, but one thing I do wonder is like, so these wild fish guys—they removed something like that. Where did all the steelheaders go? They all went and caught wild fish, huh? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I always kind of wondered that. It's like you eliminate I mean, these hatchery it. programs, and what else is there to catch? Wild fish. I mean, right? It's true. That's why everyone's going up north. Mm -hmm. Going forks. Going to the gorge. Whatever. Yeah, steelhead is going to go find steelhead. Steelhead is going to go. That's right. A certain amount, but it's like the, the thing about... Oh, there's no... Yeah, yeah. The thing about those, like, Clackamas summer steelhead-type fisheries is those are the fisheries that where the dad took his kid and caught his first steelhead and, and that got him hooked. Um, you know, that they were... Uh, so the industry derived. Yeah. It was a gateway, a gateway fishery. And, and uh, seriously, I mean, you talk to anybody around my age in that, in that group that was a young person during that time, and it's fishes, that's where they started. I mean, because it was epic. Yeah. And the thing about it, too, is that doesn't just create like, it creates fisheries all, like, the Columbia fishery then gets better because of all those runs that are entering the Columbia, going up the Willamette to enter in the Clackamas. Like, it creates good fisheries everywhere, not just in the trips. Like, it's right. just... And we're not just talking Clackamas, everybody. This is, this is just an example. This is the same implement has happened in it just 20 happened on, on the East Fork of the Lewis River. Same yeah. thing. They got rid of the, the summer steel. And I would bet you that I, I haven't done this. So I'm going out on a limb here. But I would almost bet you, if you went to the studies they used and the scientific information they used to justify removing the fish from the East Fork of the Lewis, I'll bet you somewhere in there that Clackamas study was cited as uh, an example of how hatchery fish are bad. So a false, false reference of data was used. It, it's used in almost every, every study that comes up with a negative. Just like that first hatchery and wild video that you guys made five years ago. When you explained that what was the the um, Gene Bank River that was established in the Olympic Peninsula up near Forks, the entire lawsuit to shut down those ponds was derived off of the Hood River study, right. a river above one of the largest dams in on the West Coast, on a stream that 
it doesn't really stand a chance, you know, has had entire runs eliminated, and they use the data from that river to justify actions on a river 250 miles north. You know, it just shows the 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 facets that are missing in all these lawsuits and all these arguments. So how do we fix that? You know, how do we get to the legislature? I know a lot of, um, so far, a lot of success that we've seen in this short time with Hatchery and Wild has been to the extent of being in that legislative position. Well, and and I I was thinking about that a little bit ago. Um, And I remember when when we started the Wilson River Talk program, I mean, I made it a, I mean, first thing they told me when the idea was to collect these fish by angler caught, you know, angler caught fish was, well, we'll give it a shot, but we ain't going to work because yeah, kind of here's one thing you anglers do, you don't participate. So if we let you angler catch these fish, you're not going to show up. So we won't get the brood stock, but we'll try. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, I actually canceled my spring Chinook season because I was hard. I mean, for someone to tell me you can't do it was a, Hard for me to swallow. But, yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I fished every, every day. I don't. I'd invite people to go. And, and one of the things I do is I'd invite county commissioners, I'd invite fish and wildlife commissioners, and the whole time talk to them about how this is working out, and just educate them. So just little things like that, right? You know, uh, helps change the narrative. And then uh, I know we were just recently in a legislative session in Oregon, and the committee chairs were. I mean, it was like you were. They were in a desert, and you threw them a bucket of water. They were so excited about having something the other side. Because they felt like it doesn't make sense to ruin fisheries. It doesn't make sense to <laughs> to do what you guys are talking about. But they didn't have any ammunition to push back. Right. And they were really excited about getting some ammunition. Yeah. I heard that committee chair wanted to give you guys 20 minutes while they gave some they, of the wild fish guys. I mean, <laughs> in those committee meetings, you get two minutes to talk per angler. She... Came out for the, you know, they, they got a diocese, I think it's called. Uh-huh. She came out from around the diocese, sat down there where you testify, called up our guy, Dave, mm-hmm. and they went, they talked for like 20 minutes, so she introduced them to all the people up there and, and gave them the leg up, and then everybody else got two minutes. Right. So that's how excited they were to hear it. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we mentioned this earlier, too. It's like, you know, so many times in the last 15 years or so, 20 years, I'll say, since these fisheries have been getting taken away from the anglers in the Northwest and the prices of licenses have gone up, price of fuel, everything's gone up. So many times have we sat back as anglers and I guess, you know, a lot of the three of us sitting here haven't necessarily had that chance to really step in as, as much as we can now. But, you know, how many times have we sat as anglers and let these rash these rationales be placed upon us on how our fisheries work and we sit in the garage and tackle shop and go, oh, it's not true. So then we sit back down on and, Facebook. And, yeah, and go sit in our boat again and, and well, go yeah, fish if, and talk if about If we it. have a fault, it's that we want to go fishing. Yeah. I want to be simple. I've, re- not, I've neglected a lot of responsibility in my life to go fishing. And you should be able to do that. Yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is if you want things to go the right way, um, you can't. You gotta I mean, have a voice. You gotta you got have a voice. Be counted as a number. You gotta you gotta do something. You gotta kick and scream just like because those are. guys do. Yeah, and um, I mean and that's what scares me about this whole yeah. battle. Is I hate being political, but that's, look at even the way politics run right now. One side loses and they kick and scream and make up until I mean I, I really hope that's not how this goes because I know as soon as these guys lose this fight, 
they are going to freak out that they lost. They're going to hate and what's it so about much. That is they're the minority. Yeah. Like, because at the end of the day, I, I don't think there's probably a rational human being in downtown Seattle right now that doesn't want to feed orcas. And these guys go out to a freaking extreme where they with a, the 60 million fish that have been basically basically said by the orca task force saying that if you do not plant these, those orcas will continue to starve to death. They put out a little ad and said that they oppose the quote-unquote pollution of 60 million hatchery smolts in the Puget Sound to feed orcas. It's just slammed. That's how... Re- that's how extreme. <laughs> it's insane are. because they say that that money should be used for habitat restoration. But it's like I agree. That's fine. We should do that. But that is gonna. That's take, not gonna. Why, that. why don't they take their money and use it for habitat restoration? Well, and I mean, you I mean, zillions of dollars being spent on habitat restoration. I mean. It's, I mean, they keep making the argument that well, you're spending on hatcheries instead of that. It's yeah. they're, you're, they're, they, both are being done. They're yeah, using exactly. their money. They're using their money to fight the fish that are going to feed the orcas for now, while not fixing the long-term problems. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you without mentioning names. Though, like the Native Fish Society guys, uh, they're. I mean, they're at the legislature every day. They're in every meeting. Meeting has anything to do with fish. They're there. Uh, guys, from Tr- there. guys from Trout Unlimited. They're there every day. I mean, it's it, it's. Is that due to their funding? Like, yeah, they I mean, just are budgeted to have that kind of presence. Absolutely. Some of yeah. it's that. Yeah. Some of it, I know that when we started the Nestucca program, there was a. I think he was on a trust fund, but he was a just a guy that owned a house on the river, and he was. I mean, he was at every meeting, went to the legislature every day. Um, they had him so conditioned that. I went to a task force meeting, and they, he was a half hour late, and they waited for him to get there. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like that's that's what you're up against. But, well, I mean, I'm telling you, this Hatchery Wild thing and, and the conversations like we're having is making a big difference. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's funny to cost. see the sway that I've seen. Even, you know, near where I live, there's a, a, a very long-standing fly shop. And one of the gentlemen who owns that fly shop, I'm not going to get into names, is a huge driver of this wild fish stuff was part of some of the more recent lawsuits that we've seen. Um, and it's, and it's kind of preached and driven this stuff home for a long time. And I've, I've sat in that place and had long conversations with the guy and the bias and the opinion that he has is so hard to sit in the room with because it is so one dimensional directed at himself. It's so selfish. What he tells me is, if there wasn't any more hatcheries and there weren't any more gear fishermen and then the rivers would be clean and there'd be plenty of fish for us and there'd be nothing to worry about. I'm going to go, gear fishermen. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's, but, well, that's interesting, you know, because... That's, that's when I ask him, where, where, what's where, your point? Where does that happen? Yeah. Because they, <laughs> they, they removed, you know... And that's verbatim. It's, that right. would fix fishing if there was just not so many people out there. It's like, so what, what are you trying to tell me here without saying it? You know, it's. But now every guy in that shop that works for him goes, "Oh, I I love hatchery fish the whole time. I don't know what to be. You know, I just you know, I just want to catch a fish too." There are less people out there if he quit. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> it just blows my mind. So you know, gaining more trust and that, is there, Jack, is there any rivers where they have removed hatchery fish and then wild fish have come back in abundance? Not. Not to my knowledge. And I'm not talking about the West Coast of the I'm talking like double, triple, like this leaps and bounds that were there, promised to us. There, 
I mean, there's no place that they can point to. I've asked them point blank, and I told you earlier, the only, wow. only place they could say is the is the Oregon Coastal Coho, and there were so many other factors that there's there's no way they can make a straight brush. face say that. Well, like you said, they eliminated all harvest commercial and everything on that. But I asked that same question at a uh, at a region. Five, let's meet the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife Director. I asked that same question. I said, can you give me one six cents? This is the narrative that we're going down. This is what, the, obviously, this department's prerogative. Can you give me one success story where this has been tried and true and has happened? And um, program Pre manager handed the mic back to the person running the thing and never, just, said, and never said a word. I, yeah. I was, that got a little bit of a response on the old book of faces. I was, <laughs> because we were live feeding it. Yeah, that was a fun meeting. That was a fun meeting. I was, I was a stakeholder member on Get the, off Facebook, loser. I'm not. He's not. You're going to call me out on this again because I'm trying to get actual hatchery information stuff, so just stop. <laughs> I, I was on the stakeholder group, and in our final meeting, they were talking about, you know, they're removing fish from the kilches, hatchery fish, and a bunch of places. And they were talking about monitoring, and, and I, was, I was at the sports show calling in on a phone line, and I, I started screaming, hey, wait, hold, 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 hold. And I asked that exact question. It's like, well, you know, you guys act like hatchery farm just started last week. It's like you've been removing hatchery fish from places for as long as I've been alive. And can you, I mean, is there one place where it's resulted in more fish? And the gal from the wild salmon center, first of all, there was no, nobody said anything for quite a while. Oh, yeah, crickets. Then the gal from the wild salmon center said, uh, well, it actually isn't intended to increase wild fish it's in, intended to preserve that robust gene pool for for the future what future <laughs> yeah, oh, say, well, so let's take that wild in basin preservation uh, zero and, a hard and uh, put it in hatcheries and make it bigger yeah that's where my money would go yeah. <laughs> so that's so the, 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 the gene bank that's implemented here that's exactly what they said too Jack that question was asked like what's What's the plan? What's holding you accountable? Like, what happens if no fish return in stronger numbers? And they looked him right in the face and said, that's not what we care about. Yeah, we care to preserve the wild genes of these rivers. You know what's funny about that too, Marla? Because right now I'm just going to interject on that a little bit because they are, they are um, they're doing genetic testing on what they're collecting in, on mm -hmm. one of the rivers that sisters off that and then another river next to And the problem is they're finding that all, all those winter steelhead that a huge portion of them are checking out of the genetic test. Like they don't have the right, they don't have the right markers. And so they're not actually, they're just kicking them right back into the river. And it's a substantial number. You want to know why that is? Because steelhead stray. What? No, stop that. Wild steelhead stray. What? I don't understand that. <laughs> Explain that to me a little bit. Because if you're trying to preserve that natural, perfect, perfect pool, I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, even in the genetic study on the... It's meant to not be. That's how fish... Exactly. If it was perfect, we'd all have... I mean, they'd be inbred. You know what I mean? It's like there has to be... So so even with that said, like, they're trying to preserve those pools. And I, and I understand the need for that because we know in-basin genetics outperform as far as rate of returns out-of-basin genetics. We know that from, like, what they've done with segregated stocks of steelhead for the last 30, 40 years. I mean, as those kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I yep. mean, it's it's so. I don't get it. I'd rather die trying. No, I mean, no, a lot of their arguments are like that. I mean, they go to a dead end. You know what I mean? It doesn't work. Well, why not? It just doesn't. 
Well, because we don't want to spend that $300,000 doing it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like where they made the gene bank you're talking about and the HSRG science is about that thick a book and somewhere in there, there's a plan of what it's going to do. And it's like increase the wild run by a small amount. I mean, it's not, it's not like it's going to become this robust wild run. Yeah. And they know that. insane oh it's sad it is especially the older you get the sadder it gets because you guys might live to see <laughs> it's uh hard to think that the fish is gonna get nothing but worse although there's bright spots there's yeah. bright spots and those bright spots are pretty much everywhere there's either complete and awesome habitat that hasn't been as destructed by man they don't have the portland municipality sitting right on top of it or they have robust brood stock. It should be in the legislature. Any river in the Northwest that has a road along the entire system Ooh, that might should be a completely, bill. completely mm -hmm. enacted with hatchery fish. Anything that has a watershed that's intact and it was only a trail system. Because you think about it, how many of the systems that you fish, the only good ones that I know of that I fish, you can't get there unless you're with me or in a raft. Or try really hard, or hike for miles, or there's all this habitat and there's all this sanctuary for fish that people cannot mess with. Where all these places where these hatchery fish have been removed, you know, you're some of your favorite rivers in Southwest Washington. You can drive 30 miles of the watershed, 50 feet from the river. So you will never have habitat restoration. There will always be that hillbilly that's going to kill fish. Yes. There will always be those people that want to keep and kill. I want to bounce back just a little bit to that to that NIMS report that I was talking about about these four. So we'll just talk about it here. Again, guys, really quick said, before Cameron yeah, does that, we understand that we typically don't talk river names, but these it's super important when we're talking about these issues that we're facing that we talk about the river systems yeah, that they're on because hopefully we can save them. Hopefully we can save them someday. So it's important that we talk about them. Concern with wild stock interbreeding with hatchery brood stock from the Alokaman, Chambers Creek, and Kyle's River. These are some of the diversity bullet points that they had in the gene bank study. After 1980, Mount St. Helens eruption, straying Cowlitz River steel likely spawned with native Lewis stocks. An allele frequency analysis of East Fork Lewis winter steelhead in 96 was unable to determine the distinctiveness of stock compared to other lower Columbia River steelhead stocks. And that's in the NIMS report. So my question is, okay, you're unable to determine what the heck you got going on in there. Why, why gene? I mean, why gene bank it? I mean, I understand like gene bank it as far as like we could open hatchery fish in there, don't kill a bunch of fish in there. I get that part, but okay, so maybe is that is that an opening to say, okay, we might have a little bit more of a diverse stock in this river. Maybe that's where we start food stock. Oh yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Just throwing it out there, throwing it against the wall, see if it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what, what they say doesn't uh -huh. make any sense. It, it's and and I I, I can't. A long time ago, I read a study that I think it was in on the Puget Sound or somewhere up in that area, where they genetically tested all the fish in the in in several streams, and if they were in the same basin, like mm -hmm. Lower Columbia, yeah, they, they were identical. Yeah, there, there was no difference. 
I found there was another study too that they got rid of so like in Willapa Bay they used to have a huge commercial in the fall fishery numbers there I mean I can't remember how many smolts but I want to say it was something like 30 million smolts and they did the same thing they pulled a lot of that Chinook planting out of there and the reason why all you know wild genetic Chinook you know in, in some particular rivers in Willapa Bay they got rid of them and guess what when they did when they went back through, and this was in a WDFW report, and it contradicted itself literally three paragraphs later in the summary, because it said, basically, they got rid of all these fish because they wanted to keep native distinction there, you know, with the genetics and the rivers, blah, blah, blah. But then when they ran those fish that, you know, were going back again into the gravel, into the gravel, into the gravel, they ran those fish against what they were putting in the hatchery, they were genetically identical. And they, so what they do, they crashed the commercial fishery that was going into Willapa Bay. A lot of those Willapa Bay fish were going through, were interacting with some of the orcas up in Puget Sound, and we all lost for nothing. Orcas from mid-Alaska down. Yeah, I know. Exactly, exactly. Orcas, because yeah. at the end of the day, like when you look at that graph where it says the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife hatchery production of Chinook smolts, and about three years after it starts taking a dive, that orca population, data, the correlation is astounding. I, mean, I feel like the orcas poked the hive, but it is not, I, I can't believe it came down to that to get this whole issue arised. You know, like it's, it's sickening that it was something so, am I going to downplay it by saying simple, but something so drastic as to a couple of whales dying for somebody to find. I mean, look, how long, look, how, look how long the communities along the coasts and the small towns and stuff have been screaming for it. And so, like I said, with Hatchery and Wild campaign, Hatchery and Wild coexist campaign, you know, I think we hopefully one day will swing a legislative hammer to these guys and be able to pronounce what are these jobs communities supposed to do? There's no more mills. They've already shut down the logging with the same sort of tactics. They're, well, they're all going to sell, you know, sandals and seashells and at the kite parade. Like, what are these communities going to do around these areas? And, well, Patagonia would love it if you did that. Oh, they would love to sell you a hundred and twenty dollar pullover. Like, you know, oh, it's a cardigan, but thanks for asking. And it just it sucks because it's so necessary. These, Fish are so incredibly necessary in these things. When he says that, 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 you know, they stopped the harvest of coal, I mean, when I was a kid, the whole Oregon coast, every single port that had access to the ocean to go catch a coal, had a charter fleet, they had every restaurant, every motel was full all summer. It was like buoy 10 from like June until October. And I mean, just imagine, just imagine the economic hit that was. But now that's mostly gone. Now you just go to the cheese factory. Yeah. Back then, uh, they used to stock 7 million coal along the Oregon coast. Now they stock 250,000 total. <sighs> that's so Mexican, One of the most stupid. oceans in the world. I don't understand where this logic comes from. It just... It feels good. Have you ever been to Portland? I mean, like I said, under the, under the under the guise of like, okay, you know, maybe there's a problem here. And like I said, some of the studies that came out that that were showing, like if you look at like those studies that on the Hatchery and Wild coexist page, they actually post up which studies say that there's a negative effect of putting hatchery fish in with wild fish. Right? There are seven studies to do. There's four that show that actually having hatchery fish is a positive, and there's 11 that show a no effect. And I hate to say this, but to us as sportsmen and to 
the orcas, that no effect is super important because that means we can feed the damn little bastards. And on top of that, the negative effect studies don't separate out broodstock and those same returning early segregated stockfish. And on top of that, the average release date of those studies is 2006, and the positive and the and the no effect, which, like I said, to sportsmen and orcas, that's just as important. That's funny because it's 2010 and 2012. Yeah. So the pendulum has swung one way. We all got into a tizzy. We started going, "Oh my God, this is the current sound science." Who uses that catchphrase? <laughs> the current sound science. Well, guess what? The current sound science is saying, you're wrong. Yeah. If you guys could all see me dropping the mic right there. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, tap the subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Seriously, though, disgusting. comment, guys. Comment on this video. We really want to get your guys' feedback. We want to know how you feel about these issues and... We also want you to go to Hatchery and Wild, whatever the damn website is, the super long one. Go to that website and sign up on the email list. <laughs> or go to Facebook, Hatchery Wild Coexist, and the, the web address one more time, www.hatchery-wild-coexist.com. Perfect. <laughs> and I didn't screw it up that time. I screwed it up earlier. Yeah. Perfect. So to reiterate on this, I, I mentioned it in the live feed again, but you know, the point we're all trying to make here, everybody, each one of us is passionate outdoorsmen, anglers, and conservationists, is not to put a bazillion salmon and steelhead in every single piss trickle that is in the Pacific Northwest. Some of these rivers stand a chance. Some of these rivers are fine with no hatcheries, and they are fine at the levels they're operating. But 96% of the rivers within 100 miles of a metropolitan area are dying off because of these regulations and because of the lack of science and the lack of effort from hatchery programs to better their hatchery fish and produce these broodstock salmon and steelhead um, and that is needed there's places where there should be millions and there's places there should be none so don't misconstrue our message that we think every spot in the world needs hatchery fish put them in Alaska put them a million Chambers Creek seal on no. every river no. but you know what the ones that have a house every hundred yards the ones that have a highway up the side of it the ones that have culverts on every little stream that pours into it or that has four dams on its estuary or so on and so forth or it has been completely logged by Weyerhaeuser those are the rivers that we need to give our support to and make sure that we don't lose to these outside groups like Patagonia. And so, use our hatchery system to actually help the wild fish yep. and not create a segregated stock. And the science gentleman right here next to us has pushed for 40 years that has been proven effective over and over and over again. So, there's my mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Well, your turn. <laughs> Mine's at the beginning. Oh, okay. All right, go ahead, Jack. Close this out. I'm not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my mic. Oh, perfect. I, I think your point is well taken. That we, but I think even on the rivers where we have hatchery fish, you need wild fish. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I don't think there's very many rivers that are pristine. Um, but I, I think that's one of the things I like about the broodstock program is if you're going to do a broodstock program, you got to have wild fish. They're both real important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it puts the emphasis on both. It doesn't bring back the old days where you're down at the hatchery hole and every time somebody caught a wild, you heard a guy go, damn wild. 
That's my grill I got another damn wild uh, nowadays. We're all so cherished and the glowing after catching one. And I think that we've changed that a lot with addicted. Where people appreciate those fish, and I think it's kind of the state of the fishery. Everybody's just so freaking. Well, we should not be the catch? we should not be the badasses <laughs> around here because we can go out and catch three steelhead every time. You know, like that. That's what it's turned into. It's turned into a mockery where the best of the best stay under. You know, they catch five fish a day, and they're considered the elite. And that, that's that's just the generation that we're in. That's the time we're at, and that can change. So, well, then there was a time when. Perceptions. No one said damn wildfish because they didn't clip the hatchery fish, so you didn't know what you caught. Yeah. And, and like in uh, 1985, on the river, one of the rivers I fish, they they uh, they did the first scale samples, and when they did the scale samples and analyzed them, 85 percent of the fish that people were catching were hatchery fish. I just think about that. 85%. For those that don't know, when they don't clip, they can pull a scale and actually tell if a fish is a Correct. fish, by the, by the, fish versus the a growth. wild fish from the scale, actually. So I just want to make wow. sure people understood that. Hmm. Well, let it be said, everybody. We need your support. Go to hatchery-wild-coexist.com. Sign up. Get the newsletter. Be aware and research and educate yourself. And like we said earlier, you know, share this with everybody. Pull, pull what these outside groups are doing and use it against them. You know, share this with people that don't care, that don't give a damn about fishing. They don't even know what a steelhead looks like. But tell them the reality of the situation and the reality of, of what's happening to us and to our recreation in the Pacific Northwest. Because and if you're not to lose it. If you're one of those people out there that oppose what we're talking about here, we would love to have you into a podcast. Come in. Send us an email. So we would love to have you in. We will absolutely have a conversation with you. We want to hear your side. We want to know why you feel that way. So come in. Or if you're afraid to come in, comment. And we will not delete your comment. We'll have a good conversation with you. We would love to hear the opposite side and just see what your opinion is on it. You want to hear something sad? I just, had, I just asked the guy that question about a week ago. And he said the problem wasn't that fishing and fish numbers were too low, or it wasn't that they were, they were too low. They need to get lower so that we'll all realize we need to do something about habitat. We need to suffer. Hmm. That was his whole point. Was it was like, hatchery fish are like a band-aid. They like are masking the real problems. And so we, that, may, that means we don't care. That's, that's why we don't care. That, that, that's actually the only guy's argument. I mean, at least that argument. You can kind of wrap your head. It goes right back to your statement on in that movie. You can't sit here and think you have Disneyland. Yeah, I think what I said was smoke. Nope. <laughs> yeah, all the smoke and mirrors, man. So, all right, everyone. Well, we're gonna wrap this one up. I know it. it at times, it kind of seemed like a little bit of an advertisement for Hatchery and Wild, but at the end I don't of the day, care. we're super passionate about <laughs> this, and we yeah. we want you guys to jump on board and be passionate with us. So. Please, please head over there. Do what you can. Join join in on this movement. And we're going to continue to keep talking about it with Addicted for a long time to come. Yeah. So. And if you don't like it, then you might as well just unsubscribe to Addicted and just go away. Because you're going to hear it. I think <laughs> that's just pain tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, what, what, share it. Share it. What, you can, share. what you can really do is you could just go to Cameron Black's Facebook page and leave him a negative Facebook review. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then Facebook will have to oh. shut him down. How do you like that? I mean, you're talking to unfollow Addicted. This is getting mean, and I wish I wasn't in the middle of it. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, guys. 
hopefully you guys learned a bunch of that. That was kind of the point of bringing Jack in was so you guys could get educated a little bit more on this and we can inform you on what's happening here and you can get behind with us. So jump in on this this with us and let's uh, hopefully change the future and change the narrative. Change the narrative. So Thanks for joining us, Jack. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the river. Later. Yeah, the subscribe button.